Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Apologetic series, recorded July 28th, 2022, titled, Does God Exist? Many Absolute Proofs, Finale, Part 5. This final Part 5, Proving God Exists, presents the big picture. It's taken a while, but we're finally at the series finale of David C. Pack's Proof of God series. Will it stick the landing like MASH, Newhart, Star Trek Next Generation, or Breaking Bad? Or will it pull a lost Battlestar Galactica Game of Thrones and sour everything that came before? Again, watch to the end. Welcome to Apologia, where a former Christian takes a look at the claims of Christians. This is what you can be up against. It's my hope this series will help you and your family survive such attacks. This isn't an attack, David. It's just a critique. This series represents a tiny fraction of all that could be presented. It could easily have been ten parts without exhausting what's available. I don't know. If we're sticking to the TV metaphor, it seems like we've already had a few filler episodes. Where is she? She'll be here soon. Didn't travel with you? No. Let's just get to the best of the best. I'm ready. World-famous astronomer Carl Sagan came to believe God exists, that no other explanation for the universe was possible. Whoa, whoa, hold the phone there, David. Sagan didn't want to take on the label atheist, but he never came to believe God exists. Joel Ackenbach, someone who knew Carl, wrote a long article about the late communicator's beliefs, sourcing his closest friends and family. From Sagan's own writings, just a few weeks before passing... I am not an atheist. An atheist is someone who has compelling evidence that there is no Judeo-Christian Islamic God. I am not that wise. But neither do I consider there to be anything approaching adequate evidence for such a God. Why are you in such a hurry to make up your mind? Why not simply wait until there is compelling evidence? And, I often talk about the God hypothesis as something I'd be fully willing to accept if there were compelling evidence. Unfortunately, there is nothing approaching compelling evidence. Sorry David. You can't retroactively claim Sagan as a believer. A fascinating quote from his book, Pale Blue Dot, written after seeing a picture of Earth taken from Voyager 1, four billion miles away, brings powerful perspective to objective thinkers. That's here. That's home. That's us. Yeah, sorry, David. I'm not going to let you do injustice to Sagan's famous soliloquy by presenting it in your voice. Unfortunately, the full reading by Sagan would get me a copyright strike so I'll just link to it in the description. Well worth a listen when you have a chance, and we'll abbreviate here for the sake of all. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, 
there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Yet the greatest help any could imagine is coming and is just over the horizon. Carl doesn't deny the possibility of help, but points out that we have no hint that help will come. No evidence to confirm. So we should be realistic and live life as if no help is guaranteed. David chimes in to assert that, despite no hints, help is definitely coming. Which position is more grounded? To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Humbled by facts and reality, Carl Sagan knew God existed. There's literally nothing in Pale Blue Dot that indicates that Carl Sagan knew God existed. In the last year of his life, Sagan wrote someone named Father Martin. Thanks for your kind invitation. The question how can I find God? Assumes the answer to the key undecided issue. I'm sorry I won't be able to participate. With best wishes. Sagan stood for the antithesis of your video series. You said 10 parts worth of material was available to you. Why did this possibly make the top five? Sagan wondered about the origin of all things, but died realizing he never knew the purpose for life. You can, and we will touch on it at the end. When Carl's friend, Martin Gardner, professed that a singular God ruled the universe, and that there was life after death, Sagan wrote, T. He only reason for this position that I can find is that it feels good. How could you of all people advocate a position because it's emotionally satisfying, rather than demand rigorous standards of evidence even if they lead to a position that is emotionally distasteful? There may not be a transcendent purpose for life, David. Inventing one because you want one doesn't help. Many discuss proofs of God's existence, but none address why intelligent people do not and will not believe he does, no matter what. I'm not sure if I qualify as an intelligent person, but it's not that I won't believe no matter what. I'm like Carl Sagan, who definitely was an intelligent person. I'd be fully willing to accept if there were compelling evidence. Evolutionists and atheists are deeply vested in their only alternative to accepting, believing in, and obeying God. Why? God describes those who refuse to accept the mountain of evidence proving his existence. He is strong and blunt. We've all been through this before. Here comes Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold... The Greek is hold back the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest, obvious in them, for God has showed it unto them. Notice what follows. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I warned it was strong. Modern science is without excuse when it chooses to believe evolution and chooses to ignore God's existence. Okay, so I've done a long video on why Christians shouldn't use Romans 1.20 with non-believers. So I'd encourage you to watch that. But the short version is that the only thing a person cannot be mistaken about is the content of their own thoughts. If I'm capable of introspection, enough to know that I'm not suppressing God evidence, then Romans has to be wrong. However, if God is darkening my heart such that I'm incapable of such introspection, then I'm incapable of fruitful discussion due to something outside of my control. Either way, 
This passage is irrelevant to a non-believer. God says he gave those who reject him minds void of judgment. They cannot think straight. They can see scientific facts, but cannot come to right conclusions. Why would God need to go to this extra step of negatively affecting the brains of anyone who rejects him? If they were initially thinking straight when they rejected him, is God worried that if they continue thinking straight that they will eventually come back and accept him? But that's not okay with God? So he needs to make super sure with supernatural measures that they continue to reject him? And by corollary, you have to accept God before you can evaluate the evidence for God? This means that neither he who accepts God nor he who rejects God does so on the basis of evidence which means there's no point at all to do a series on the proof of God. And you can't get them to. I know, I've tried. To be fair, David, you having tried and failed the thing doesn't mean the thing can't be done. Might I suggest looking into improving your communication style or maybe your level of scholarship? If you admit that this series isn't working, maybe try something else. They won't bend, but will look at you piteously because you are ignorant. Don't succumb to their scorn. Such people are tragically confused. I suppose I would look at my former Christian self somewhat piteously because he was ignorant. Not ignorant in terms of being less rational or less smart, but in the traditional sense of being less informed. I wish younger Paul would have been much better informed. And that would hold for David and his followers as well. This is the natural tendency of all human beings, although most would never believe or admit it without God's help. Right. So you're admitting that it takes an act of God for me to believe. And I've asked God for this help, and I'm awaiting his act. The ball is entirely in God's court at this point. Since facts can't convince me without God's help, why is David presenting facts at all? Shouldn't he rather just spend his days asking God to help me? If God helps me, the facts won't matter. So this series is entirely redundant. There is no proof, evidence, fact, logic, or sound reasoning that could ever cause anyone who is unwilling to set aside their natural prejudice against believing in and yielding to the authority of a loving God to accept that authority. Okay, but that's not me. I'm entirely willing to set aside naturalistic prejudice and yield to authority. Where's the proof, evidence, fact, logic, or reasoning for me. Innate bias against belief in an all-powerful God who tells them how to live keeps most from admitting the proofs you have seen. An outright hypocrisy adds to why atheists and evolutionists resist the truth. So first of all, you're lumping atheists and evolutionists together here. So you're aware that they are separate categories. There are millions of Christians who accept evolution. And you think the Christians do this because they have an anti-God bias? Do you hear yourself, David? Second, just my reiteration that I was a Christian who was happy to let God continue to tell me how to live. So again, there was no reason at all for me to be unconvinced by your proofs. Universities are hotbeds of atheism, where anti-God professors actually persecute students they can't break from believing God exists. And each year they cause thousands who cannot handle the pressure and often public humiliation to collapse into their arms. This sounds more like the premise of the God's Not Dead movie rather than something that ever happens in real life. But either way, my Christianity survived and thrived in my secular university years. Consider all we've discussed about the universe and its contents. Planets, stars, galaxies, plants, animals, humans, and the human mind. Assume you have all power to create whatever you wish. Oh, wow. Yes, please. That would be amazing. The universe is mine.
mine to command, to control. Could you have created this much beauty, majesty, design, size, precision of engineering, and magnificence by yourself with no help from anyone? Remember, you would have no pattern to copy. Okay, in the hypothetical you set up, I have all the power to create whatever I wish. So would that power not include the necessary knowledge and creativity? It seems like it should, right? Is David asking if I personally currently have enough knowledge to design an ecosystem from scratch? Because no, no, I do not. But that tells us nothing at all about whether the universe was actually designed. Could you design one trillion galaxies, each with about a hundred billion stars with no pattern to copy? I mean, once I've designed one star and one galaxy, then I would have a pattern to copy for the remaining billions and trillions. So it's only designing that first one that's really tricky. Could you design millions of plants? many that are interdependent on each other. Then could you design, again, no pattern to follow, 13 million animals and insects, all perfectly interdependent, but also dependent on the entire plant world. What of all the food for both plants and animals so they would be sustained through whatever time you allotted them to live? I could go on. Please don't. These are irrelevant, ridiculous questions. The case for a god doesn't hinge at all on my personal ability to design working universes. It doesn't even hinge on the notion that an all-knowing entity would know enough to design universes. Of course they would, but that's the claim being put forth, not evidence for the claim. Where's the evidence for an all-knowing entity? Be careful. Don't insult yourself or God by believing your mind is a product of dumb luck. You just spent a minute berating my mind for not being good enough to design universes, but suddenly now my mind is great and shouldn't be insulted? And just for the record... While a purely dumb luck mind does seem unlikely, evolution demonstrates that natural selection preserves the chance changes that best impact survivability. A process that keeps the winners produces winners. By suggesting the whole universe and its contents could just happen to existence entirely by itself. You need to be more precise about the word contents here. When you start with matter and energy, the arrangement of matter and energy into complex systems is widely demonstrated and possibly inevitable. Traditionally, someone like David insists that we cannot start with energy. To which I say, why? If you can start with a god, then why can't I start with energy? At least we know energy exists. Because ignorant, foolish atheists are willing to believe this... Honest, informed people would never believe such folly just because such men say so. So far, David hasn't been able to accurately describe what non-theists typically tend to believe about the material universe. To be fair, I wouldn't have either when I was a Christian, because I didn't talk to non-believers. Hopefully, this series will help David and others like him. Some have accepted evolution have not turned to outright atheism, but... Influenced by evolutionary thinking, modern theologians, religionists, and ministers have not honestly explored the subject of God in light of the plain facts from history and scripture. As I'm not a Christian myself, it's not up to me to try to figure out which people are really Christians and which ones aren't. But for David to say that anyone who accepts both Christianity and evolution have categorically not honestly explored the subject of God seems disingenuous. I'd never say that no one who disagrees with me has honestly explored the topic. David is saying that renowned Christian thinkers like St. Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, who both advocated for non-literal day creation, didn't honestly explore the subject of God. 
the leaders and members of massive Christian denominations like the Catholics, Methodists, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Baptists, Anglicans, and many more are simply dishonest and haven't considered God somehow. I mean, okay, but the kind of young earth view that David posits is a relatively new phenomenon. Allow me to recommend A Brief History of Young Earth Creationism from VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, or his surprise appearance on this channel. He sure seems like someone who has at least explored the subject of God. Ask, why is there such widespread confusion and division, such disagreement about God? Why is the subject of God not clear, plain to the common man? The Bible declares God is not the author of confusion. God never wants his servants confused. Though in Exodus 14, 24, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. And David already pointed out, Romans 1 tells us that God darkens the hearts of some people. My question for you, David, is how can you know if you're the one who sees plainly or if you're one of the ones God is confusing? It doesn't seem like a human would be capable of knowing the difference. Why then have so many been willing to accept without question this confusion about God? So many say God just doesn't seem real to me, but they seem willing to let him remain this way. I don't know any theistic evolutionists who say that God doesn't seem real to them. They think God is very real. Thus, the theistic part of their identity. Not only do the masses stand in ignorance of life's most important knowledge, including the identity of the true God and correct understanding of the many truths he teaches, most do not appear to care. Billions seem not to want to know, to want to solve the mysteries of God and his word. Billions are wrong, and David C. Pack alone is correct. Am I so out of touch? No. It's the children who are wrong. Strangely, they seem willing to read a mystery book knowing in advance the mystery will not be solved. The single most important knowledge in the universe would be that of the true God. What could be more important than which God one worships? Billions have asked who and what is God. Okay, so the Proof of God series has abandoned the notion of attempting to prove God and is now proceeding just assuming that he exists. Gotcha. Possessing all knowledge would be utterly useless if one were worshiping the wrong God. God must reveal himself to any who come to know him. This is what I've been saying. Evidence isn't sufficient for a God belief. So why try to convince people with evidence? Embrace the fact that there is a gap between what evidence shows and what Christians believe. Though apologists hate to hear it, that gap is what many Christians call faith. Ask yourself... Having now proven God exists. I'm sorry, when did we do that? Do I need to rewatch the whole series? Because I missed it. Are you worshiping the true God, the God who is alive, or something non-existent and dead, a God who is not? This question towers over all others before you. And I hope that everyone watching asks themselves this question regularly. Are you worshiping a God that actually exists? Think of what's at stake in whether there is a God. If so, would he have a purpose for mankind? And, if there is no God, should you listen to anyone claiming to tell you what his purpose is for your life? At some point, most people wonder why they are here. What's the purpose of human life? Yet, like Carl Sagan, they live and die never knowing the truth, or even that they could have known. I don't understand why you opened the show saying that Carl Sagan came to believe that God exists, but now say that he never knew the truth. God may not be... 
But you are an author of confusion, David. A deceived world has been kept from knowing the vital missing dimension to resolving all mankind's problems. Scientists, theologians, educators, and philosophers have remained ignorant of the truth of why man exists. And yet this awesome truth, this amazing knowledge has always been available, but most have not known where to look. This is revealed knowledge, unattainable to all whom God has not called to learn his truth. Okay. So according to David, I'm good to wait until God reveals himself to me, since I can't get to that truth through investigation of evidence. Realize that disproving evolution automatically proves God's existence. Well, no, not at all. Evolution and God is not a dichotomy. God could have created using evolution, and there could be a naturalistic explanation for life that isn't evolution. This assertion is failing at science, history, logic, and theology, all at once. In light of intolerance disguised as political correctness, let's ask, how soon before bringing the facts, the truth of God's existence or his creation, which necessarily debunks evolution and atheism, is called politically incorrect and intolerant hate speech? Well, that persecution narrative came out of left field. David got one thing correct. Evidence of God would debunk atheism. It wouldn't automatically say anything at all about evolution as we've discussed at length, and it's pretty rare to hear that the existence of God is considered intolerant hate speech, even though some like me think that God belief alone is a problem enough to address. No, it's the appeal to God to justify intolerance that an increasing number of people are recognizing as intolerant. All while scorners who outright attack God's existence, and thus God himself, as well as his creation account and creationists, are deemed open-minded and enlightened. I mean, some who vocally disbelieve in God are open-minded and enlightened. There are many who are closed-minded and regressive on other issues. There's no single categorization here. It's possible to be correct for bad reasons. This would be true even if Christianity were true. But... Despite persecution, we never fear, nor should you, scoffers who don't fear God and reject all proofs that he exists. Well, you said repeatedly that proof that God exists isn't convincing enough, and that God needs to intervene for anyone to believe. So in the end, it doesn't really matter if I reject the proof or not, right? It's not enough even for someone open and willing without first having a God intervention. So all that's important is the God intervention, and many, like me, are still waiting. We do fear for them. God will soon prove to all mankind that he exists by supernaturally intervening in world affairs. He will demonstrate this to the entire world in awesome ways. Cool. When will that be? If it's going to happen later anyway, is there a reason it couldn't be happening now? Before the end time is over, no one on earth will be an atheist. Incredible miracles done by God and the devil's servants will remove all doubt. Right. At some point, God will be unequivocally revealed to everyone, even those who reject him. So again, why can't this be happening now? Why will so many be lost because of insufficient evidence? David admits it's not because of free will. Every human will have definitive proof of God, and yet some will still reject. So again, what would be the reason for God to not just let everyone have that knowledge now? 
This God who David says doesn't want confusion. If you choose not to know, remember this was your choice. You knew exactly what you did. You know what you did. If the evidence alone can't be compelling to me, God must reveal himself to any who come to know it. Then it wasn't my choice, was it? God either reveals himself to me, or he doesn't. A final all-important question arises. Which is worse? Atheists who refuse to admit God exists and he calls fools, or those who do accept God exists but do not diligently seek him. The Bible says, He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Jesus said, Ask, seek, and knock. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. I'm still waiting. The Bible contains God's instruction to mankind. He expects those willing to read it to prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Surely God would not expect that we assume his existence, but prove everything else from his word. I mean, that's pretty much what Romans 1 says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made, so that people are without excuse. God expects that we assume his existence, and you're saying the proof of that is his word. This series has not been a mere case for God, or a case against evolution. With irrefutable, undeniable proof, you have seen both atheism and evolution exposed and destroyed as fictions created by men who refuse to obey God. And yet I have both refuted and denied without refusing to obey. Through reason, science, plain logic, and scripture, we have absolute proof that only a being of supreme intelligence could stand as designer and architect of the universe with all its complex life, including the pinnacle, the human mind. Now, what will your mind do with so much undeniable proof? I guess I'll keep waiting on God to bridge that gap between the proof provided and his existence. Because until that happens, I would be irrational to accept God with insufficient proof. And so would you. Until next time. Well, this is the finale, so I'm not thinking there will be a next time. This is David C. Pack saying goodbye, friends. Later.